Titus, if you open your Bible to Titus. Still kind of building my case. We've, we've gone through a lot from Daniel to the book of Revelation, and I'm still at the point where I'm building my case for, for the pre trib uh, view of the rapture. Uh, we looked at several different kinds the mid trib, the post trib, the uh, partial trib, the pre wrath. Uh, I'm pre trib. I believe that we will be out of here before the tribulation. Here's one of the reasons I think. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, I know we've read this before, but I'm going to start here. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, right, uh, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, here he's motivating Titus, Paul is, and he tells us that we're to be looking for the blessed hope. Uh, we're to have an expectancy about us. I believe in the imminent return of Christ, that he could come at any time. Uh, last week we looked at uh, how, how some things in the Bible I thought, pointed towards that, that it could be any time. But here, it's, it's a, I want to mainly point out the two terms here. It's a blessed hope uh, that encourages us. Hope is something we're looking for with expectancy. And the glorious appearing, it's a good, it's a grand, I, I can't think of glorious and not think of bright event. You know, when, when he comes, it's a glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you were to ask me, well, well, would you rather go through the tribulation or be with Christ, which would you have? I don't have to think for a second. Well, I'll think the glorious appearing of Christ. And so just at, at, at that instant, why would I want that? I mean, I... I hope I haven't gone through and twisted scripture to try to make it the view that I want because that's the best, you know, because I think that's the easiest one. But it's the one my heart yearns for. You know, I want to be with him. I'd rather be with him. <clears throat> There's many times now, and this is not the tribulation, that I think, Lord, I'd rather be with you. You know, this is hard. You know, that's awful. And, and Lord, come quickly. And <clears throat> but it's not been, he's not seen fit yet. He, he is still long-suffering. And so uh, this is an event that we're to look forward to. Christ's return is, a, is a, that looking for hope. It's the promise to the church. And by the church, I mean not, not someone who's on a membership role. The church is somebody who's repented and trusted Christ as their Savior. Uh, those who are saved, those who are born again. We are to look forward to the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Many today think that we're only to look for the blessed hope after we've gone through seven years of hell on earth. I, I, don't, I don't see that. Uh, but they say that uh, one of their arguments is, who are we to be rescued? You know, why is it that it's been so hard for everybody else? Why should be, we be rescued? Or uh, why should the church be spared suffering when it's suffered for so long? You no, know, we think we ought to just go through it. I think they have a martyr syndrome. <laughs> I think maybe they're a little self-righteous. Um, we will suffer. Jesus told us that. You know, take up my cross, you'll fall after me. We suffer persecution. Um, but, but to say, who are we to go through that? I would, I would say, this is who we are. We're the church. We're the bride of Christ. We're his sons and we're his daughters. We're the elect. We're the called out ones. We're the ecclesia. We're his, da- his daughters or his sons. We're his children. And he's rescued us. He's redeemed us. He saved us from wrath that is to come. Uh, he's had our, we, if we've had our sins forgiven, we're no longer objects of wrath, but we're objects of mercy. We're objects of grace. That's who we are. He delivered us from the wrath to come. We're going to look at that a little bit later. He said he would keep us from the hour of testing that will come upon the whole world. He told us that to the Philadelphian church, which hopefully we are. If we've repented and trusted Christ as a Savior. 
Uh, we don't have to look forward to the dark and gloomy. No, we're looking for the bright hope and the glorious appearing of our coming God and our um, great God and Savior Jesus Christ. See, I, I think, as I said last week, we went through and showed that the early church and the Bible authors, or the New Testament authors, thought that Christ would come at any moment. They used the terms such as, you know, when we, which are alive and remain, or when, you know, when He's coming, and they, they used all these terms that included themselves. It wasn't like, and when He comes, those on the earth. No, it's like we. You know, it was that, that kind of expectancy. And we went through. Well, we spent a good half an hour on that. Uh, I heard this motto the other day uh, that, that Christians should live by. I thought, boy, that's good. That, that's good. Here it is. It says, Christians should live as if Christ was crucified yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming this afternoon. Oh boy, that's pretty good. We should live as if Christ was crucified yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming this afternoon. See, that, that would motivate our living, as we're supposed to be, I think. Right? You know, if, if, we just, if Christ had just died, wouldn't that be fresh in our minds? Wouldn't we be thinking about what a horrible price that our sin costs before we go out and do something stupid? You know, wouldn't that change the way a Christian lives? Uh, or how about the, the resurrection morning? Can you imagine that? You know, the disciples, do you think that they are wrestling with the world that day as much when there's been reports of Christ, He's alive, you know, the sacrifice has been accepted. It's been accepted and now He's risen, showing that He has defeated death in the grave. He is here, He's alive, He's alive. Um, oh, man, what was the, Maranatha, what, what's the word that they, uh, can't remember, it came to me and it's gone, went right through. That's what I get for leaving the, the, the open brain here. Uh, but, it, but it went out. They, they, they had a term that they would say. Oh, something about Maranatha, but I can't remember. Uh, but, you know, uh, huh? That's why I said it. Never mind. I'm hearing things, too. I don't know. It's just these bites. <laughs> I, was still thinking. I was hoping somebody's going to help me out. Nobody. Crickets. That's it. Uh, but, you know, that, knowing that Christ had risen, you know, that, that would have motivated my living. It had been that same day. And then there's the promise of Jesus coming as soon as today, as soon as this very night, this evening. He could be here at any time. That should motivate us as we live. I, I thought that was an excellent model, an excellent slaying that we should go by. Um, so why do people say that this, we should go through this misery first? Where do they even get that? Uh, first, just to restate something, the tribulation is different than persecution. Uh, there's persecution going on today. There's persecution that has gone on in the past. There's persecution that will go on during the tribulation. Uh, but Jesus had told us to expect hardship. You know, that we were going to, if you love him, we're going to suffer persecution. And they, w- they will hate us, not just because of us, but because of him. He even tells us, they hate you for my sake. You know, that, that, that we're, it's not going to be easy for us in this world. We're pilgrims, we're strangers, we're aliens. Uh, and he says he's also going to chasten those who he loves. It doesn't mean it's just going to be smooth sailing. But see, the tribulation is not persecution. There will be persecution in the tribulation. Uh, the Antichrist, as we're told, that will make war with the saints. And it says that he will wear them out or overcome them. And that he'll have, be given into his hands and he'll be able to kill them. Uh, he says he'll even try to starve them out with his um, mark of the beast type thing. You'll be able to buy or sell. He's trying to control and dictate everything. Uh, it says that he will behead them if they will not bow and worship him. Uh, that they will, they will be martyred. They will lose their heads for the cause of Christ. He will demand worship. He will demand them to worship Him. He will demand them to do that. He'll blaspheme their God right in front of them and blaspheme them often. And, and it's just, matter of fact, that's the main thing it says about Him. He's a blasphemer and how He blasphemes. And so, yeah, it's going to be persecution. Yeah, George. What are those that die even though they're not for the cause of Christ? And, and, don't take the sign. Oh, I'm sure there'll be those who do it for patriotism or whatever else. They won't all be for the cause of Christ. And so... It's not like a martyrdom. You know, if you die because you didn't take the mark that you get in, if you die during the tribulation, there's a lot of wicked people that die through the tribulation. So, 
Uh, so yeah, but there'll be those the true Christians who won't do it. I think there are some people who'll be like, no, it's the American way. We don't do that. Well, you lose your head. <laughs> but they, they wouldn't be Christians. Uh, and so we'll get into details on that in a future time. Uh, but, the, but the tribulation per se is not persecution. It is God's wrath. It is Him pouring out His wrath upon the earth. He, he is, uh, he is it's, it's Him pouring it out. And I just want to look at a few real fast. Turn to Isaiah. Because it is mentioned very rampantly uh, in the Old Testament. It's in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Lamentations, Ze- Zechariah, Malachi, and then you have all the New Testament. Is that your kids out here, Dan? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody rescued my wife. Isaiah 13. So, we're going to have a term here, the day of the Lord. I think the day of the Lord is a day. I think it's the second coming of Jesus Christ when He comes. And all these uh, Armageddon, we would kind of think of it in that way. The day of our Lord, the day of our God, um, the day of wrath. I think these names are all pointing towards that, and, and that's a future study. But just real quickly tonight, Isaiah 13, verse 9 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. And so he's, there's, there's the title for us. The day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger. 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 <laughs> and to lay... <laughs> I gotta start over now. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall, shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. So let's, let's notice a few things in this verse. It's the day of the Lord, it's full of his wrath and his anger, which, where was the wrath that should have been upon us? When, it was, when was it poured out? It was on the cross, right? Christ, Christ took the wrath and the anger that should have been poured out on us. It says here, he shall destroy sinners thereof. Are we sinners? Yeah, we are. But we've been redeemed. We're redeemed sinners. That's, that's been, the punishment for our sin has been taken care of on the cross. Verse 10. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. This is a black day. All of a sudden, the skies go black. And the sun shall be darkened and is going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. This is a dark day. This is a dark time. Compare that to the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. I think it's two different times. Verse 11. And I will punish who? The world. For their evil, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it, right? That's not us. This is, this is a different category. And the wicked, are we, are we to be the wicked? No, we're not seen as that. We're the sons of God. And their iniquity, we're not supposed to be in iniquity. And it says, and I will cause their arrogancy of the proud. Who are his children? Are they the arrogant and the proud? No, we've looked through, I don't know how many verses last week, about, uh, I think it was Sunday morning, about the... The, the humble. We're the broken, the contrite, not the arrogant and the proud. He says, we're the arrogant, the proud to cease, and we'll lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Haughtiness, pride, arrogance. So this is who he's pouring his wrath on. Those will say like, yeah, show me a God. Yeah, prove to me there's a God. And they just get harder and they just get harder. And as the tribulation goes, you have them knowing it's God. They have him knowing who he is. You have his prophets there doing things, you know, the two witnesses. And they hate them and they see them. And the more that the punishment comes, the more that they curse him and blaspheme him. They just get more sealed in their anger and hatred of God. It's there to try to break them so that they'll repent and trust him, but they don't. And it goes on and gives us a fuller detail there, but we're going to skip that and turn to Isaiah 34. So the day of the Lord isn't for us. That's not doesn't sound like the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ that we're to hope for. Oh, it's a different time. It's not for us. Isaiah 34 and verse 1 says, Come near, ye nations, to hear and hearken, ye people. Uh, let the earth hear and all that are therein, the world and all the things that come forth of it. 
For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. His fury is upon their armies. Uh, He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens will be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falleth off the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. And my sword shall be bathed in, uh, bathed, my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon, uh, Ademia, uh, upon the people of my curse to judgment. And the sword of the Lord is filled with blood, it is made fat with fatness, and with the blood of the lambs, of goats, and of the fat in the kidney of the rams, and the Lord has sacrificed in Basra and is slaughtered in the light of Udemia. And the unicorn shall come down with them. Uh, mine says unicorns. I think it's uh, interpreted wild bull. Uh, and you might say, well, you know, why should we believe that? You've got unicorns and flying spaghetti monsters. Uh, no, that, that was a term that they used. It's not a unicorn. It was, it was a wild bull of uh, some type. Uh, maybe it was another word for a rhinoceros. I would say that was a wild bull with a horn on his head. And, and they killed more people than... A lot of stuff there in Africa. Uh, it could be that. Maybe they saw a narwhal. You ever seen those things? They got a little unicorn. <laughs> but no, I doubt they did. But it's, it's, a, it's some kind of wild ox. That's just, sorry. But. Verse 7 says, The unicorn shall come down with them, and the bullock, and the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust will be made fat with a fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, the year of recompense, and the controversy of Zion. And, and it goes on. It just builds how it is. But it's his anger. It's his wrath. It's poured out not on us. It's on the wicked. You know, not, not on the saints. I turn to Jeremiah. As I said, there's more in Isaiah. Jeremiah 46. Isaiah 46 and verse 3. Jeremiah, yep, 46 and verse 3. It says... Uh, as we saw in the other last two accounts, it's blackness, the stars, you know, the things being rolled back like a scroll. Jeremiah 46 and verse 3 says, Order ye the buckler and the shield and draw near to battle. Harness the horses and get up, ye horsemen, and stand forth with your helmets, furbish the spears, and put on your bragadines. Uh, wherefore ye have seen them dismayed and turned away back, and their mighty ones are beaten down. They are fled apace, and look not back, for the fear was round about, saith the Lord. Uh, let not the swift flee away, nor the mighty man escape. They shall stumble and fall toward the north of the river of the Euphrates. Who is he that cometh up as a flood, whose waters are moved as the rivers? Egypt riseth up like a flood, and as the waters are moved like the rivers. And he saith, I will go up, and I will cover the earth. I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. Come up, ye horses of rage, ye chariots, and let the mighty men come forth, the Ethiopians and the Libyans, that handle the shield, and the Lyd- uh, Lydians, that handle be- uh, the and then the bow. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him on his adversaries, and not his loved ones, on his adversaries. And then the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiated and made drunk with their blood. And the Lord God of the hosts hath a sacrifice in the northern country of the river Euphrates. He says, they're all coming to battle. They're all going to come and they're going to fight me. Bring it on. He says, I'm going to kill you all. And he's going to kill them all. And he does. He, all these who rise up arms against him. And so it's a a day of vengeance against his adversaries, these who've waged war against him. Uh, let's look at one in Zephaniah, just because we don't turn there often. It sounds like a made-up book for somebody who doesn't read the Bible. All of a sudden, you know, Zephaniah. You know, <laughs> they're trying to sound all biblical, but this is a real one. Zephaniah, chapter one. It's to the right, right before Haggai. 
Zephaniah chapter one verse fourteen says, "The great day of our Lord, uh, the great day of our Lord is near. It is near and hasteneth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitter, bitterly. This is going to be a bad day. I don't care how hard you are. He says you're going to cry that day." <clears throat> verse fifteen: The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress. Let's compare this to the great, you know, the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we're to hope for, that we're to comfort another one or one another about. No, this here's the day of wrath, a day of trouble, a day of distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. This is a total contrast to the day that we're to look forward to. Verse 16, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distresses upon men, and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against their Lord. Um, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as dung. Neither shall their silver nor their gold be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. I think it's somebody who's going to trust in giving enough gold. That says, well, you know, I've given enough. You can bring them right here to Zephaniah 18. Your gold or silver will not be able to deliver you from the day of our Lord God and the day of His wrath. See, but His wrath is satisfied with the proper payment, which is Jesus Christ on the cross. And so it's not by works. So, but the whole land shall be devoured in the, in the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of them that dwell in the land. See, it's not for us. This is for his enemies. Uh, chapter 2 in verse 1 of Zephaniah says, Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation that not desired, uh, before the decree bring forth, before the day passes as a cha- uh, chaff, before the fierce anger of our Lord God come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth. That's us. You know, the meek, we're, we're, we're already done. It says, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness, and it may be, ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Right? We're hid. We're not going to be there. We're hidden because we're the humble. Uh, we're the weak ones who, who, vessels of mercy. Angel, do you have something? Well, we just talked in our name this week, where it said, um, for the decree takes effect. We talked about Daniel chapter 9. Um, the decree to rebuild. At the point where everything, that time starts again, and that, you know, we're talking, obviously we're studying pre-trib as well. The decree is actually when that seven years starts, and then it says, so it says before the decree takes effect, so is that meaning like, hmm. nation without shame, is that talking about us? Gather yourselves, O nation without shame? Before the decree, of like gathering us up? Before the decree? I'm not sure. I don't know that it applies right then when that decree is the same decree. I think it's not. But yeah, I think he's just saying, here's a set in stone. This is going to happen. I think is what he is pretty important. Uh, the main thing he says, we're going to be hid. We're hidden from that day. And that's, that's what I... And I'm glad that we're going to be hidden from his anger. Who do we hide in? We hide in Christ. We're covered with his righteousness. I praise God for that. We, we should, the more we study the day of the Lord and the day of, the day of God's wrath, and the more we, under, we should appreciate Jesus. He came down, all those wicked things that should have been upon us, He put upon Himself. Um, there's more like we could do, like I said, it's in Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Lamentations, Zechariah, Malachi, uh, and other books that rhyme. Uh, and so, but it's a bunch of those. So uh, we have been delivered from God's wrath. This isn't for us. So why do people believe this? Um, first, I want to tell you, this isn't. There's another group out there that says that there is, there's a bunch of groups, but they say that there is no rapture, and that there is no tribulation, there is no millennium. Uh, they're called post-millennialists. That's not easy for me not to say. Post-millennialists, I can't say. <laughs> another thing that they call it is also kingdom theology. 
And this is very rampant today. We need to be aware of it. It sounds good. It sounds right on the surface. And I don't even know that all of them understand it, but it's uh, a lot of the emergent churches and those gurus and the people that are so popular and trendy now, you know, from Brian McLaren to uh, Rob Bell and uh, Shane Claiborne and guys like that, uh, to the vineyard churches, it's, it's pretty prominent in them, uh, to the cool and the trendy churches, they all like this. A lot of these social um, churches, it's very popular today, and they're saying that, see, we bring the kingdom. You know, they're, they're talking about, um, we're preaching the kingdom, we're bringing in the kingdom, uh, we're adding to the kingdom, we're expanding the kingdom, may God's kingdom increase. Uh, God's kingdom will be big, big, and that's kind of their buzzword. You know, it's all about the kingdom. They don't preach the gospel, they preach the kingdom. Uh, that, that's their word. See, they think that uh, when Jesus comes, uh, there doesn't have to be a tribulation. Because see, the church wins. We win, and we're, we're slowly taking society, and the world's getting better, and we're going to win. There's going to be... Uh, there'll be peace and there'll be no more war because see the love of Jesus is winning you know, through us because we're such great examples and we live it out so fully. Uh, so there'll be no rapture because we're going to bring the kingdom. See that the, uh, can you imagine? You know, there'll be no religion because we'll all be the one religion. There'll be no more countries because we'll all just love one another and we'll get along and there'll, there'll be like socialism. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine? Can, it's easy if you try. No king before us, you know, above us only sky. And, oh, that was John Lennon's song. This is their anthem. They sing it in these churches. You know, that we can just do away with the desire, which is why they can always get along with Buddhism and, and uh, Hinduism. You know, we just desire is the bad thing. We desire nothing. We can have everything. See, they want no poor. That's why they're so big on feeding the poor. They want no hungry. And we will build Christ's kingdom. We will make heaven on earth. And then when He comes at the end, and He'll reign on the kingdom that we have built for Him. Not what we see. Well, first of all, we've already won. Jesus won the victory when he rose from the grave. So, what's all that about? There you go. It sounds an awful lot like we're going to have one religion, we're going to have no more wars, we're going to have peace, we're going to set up this kingdom for somebody that's coming. You've got me. This group is ripe for the Antichrist when he comes. They are right, they're set up for it. And these are the. I think that's set up for tares and for goats. People who think they're Christians, who play Christian, who like to do Christian things because they're a self-righteous group. Look how good we are and see how good we do. And, and you know, it's all there about them and what they can do. And so Jordan's actually got it. That's what I got in my notes here. They are set up. They are set up for one who will come. And, hey, we'll just do this and we'll just put it all together. And doesn't that make sense to have peace and therefore socialism? You can go to... Can't remember the guy's name now, but he has a he has a thing, and I've heard of good Christian families who send their um, even missionaries send their kid over kids over here to go to Christian colleges, and then they'll get caught in this movement. And I can't remember his name now for what. But then they send them down to uh, South America to this place that turns them into socialists, it turns them into communists, and uh, and that's what that's what it's all set up for. We come down here, we live for this, and we'll fight these these wars to try to get away. And um, America's bad, and all this is what you know. It's, and I'm, not, I'm not here to fight. I will fight for America, but I'm not here to. I'm here to fight for my king. To see where there's without the king, we don't have a kingdom. So we had a little foretaste of the kingdom when Jesus was on earth, and we see that in Matthew. He was presenting the kingdom. They rejected him. He's withheld the offer. Now he's turned over to his, his policies through the church. And then one day we'll have the kingdom when the king comes back. See, when the king comes back, it'll be a sudden thing. He comes and he defeats them. He has the rod of iron. He, he defeats them with the word out of his mouth. He's the one who slays all the kings and he wears all the crowns and will crown him with many crowns because he rules all the nations and he rules all the world because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. That's the one we're to be preparing for and he's the one who prepares it. And it's an all at once thing. It's not a gradual slow progress. And so they are so deceived. And so I just wanted you to be aware of these guys and what they're saying. See, because... 
Christ is the one. He's the one we have to have. Uh, back to the post-trib. So, uh, why do they think we have to suffer? Let's look at ones in Matthew 24 as I run out of time. One verse I'll point you to is Matthew 24. Verse 21, one we've already looked at. <clears throat> he says, For then, Matthew 24, verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as not since the beginning of the world, to this time no, no nor ever shall be. They say, see right there, Jesus said there's going to be tribulation. So we've got to go through it. He does say that. He does say it's going to be there. Uh, but who's he talking to? That would be one of my questions. I'd say, who's his audience? Uh, he's talking to the Jews. Yeah, they are going to be there. It is for them. You can go back to Daniel chapter 9, as the ladies are studying again. Um, if you look at verse 30 of Matthew 24, again, this is another favorite verse. It says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. They say, see right there. It says we'll see signs before He comes. We'll have, we'll have this, and so then we have the book of Revelation. We'll look for all these signs. Then He comes. You're right. He does come. It's the day of our Lord. It's not the rapture. It's a different event. This is the end of the, end of the tribulation when He comes back and He judges the world. We're, we're told to have the, this is the second coming. Yeah, well, this is not the rapture. We're to, look, we're to look for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, our blessed hope. You know, we're not to look for signs and wonders. No man knows the day or the hour in which He might come. That's what we have. That's what we have to look forward to. And, uh, look at First Timothy. I'll, I'll give you a, their best verses, and even though I might have time to answer them all. Uh, First Timothy chapter four. 1 Timothy four and verse one says, "Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days, our latter times, some shall depart from their faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron." Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So they say right there, he tells Timothy, you know, in the last times, it's going to be perilous times. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to have these liars and hypocrites and um, forbidding to marry. He does tell him that. He tells him that again Second 2 Timothy. We turn to Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 3. And verse 1, he says, This also know that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, from such turn away. Uh, and then he gives us even a fuller description. So it says, yep, right there, you'll see it's going to be perilous times, the church has to go through it all, and then we'll have the Christ come. I have one other crowning text, and this is probably their... Strongest one, at least in their minds. Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Second Thessalonians chapter two says, Now we beseech you therefore, uh, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that that day of Christ is at hand, that no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. Except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, who is the son of perdition. They'll say right there, verse 3, Antichrist comes first, and then comes Christ. I say, yep, the second coming. This isn't talking about the rapture. Matter of fact, it even breaks it down in verse 1. It says, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the second coming, 
are gathering together unto Him. That's the part I'm going to be involved in. <laughs> I'll go gather together with Him. He's going to, He's coming back for me and I'll meet Him in the clouds. Matter of fact, that gathering together, it even kind of it, it brings that term to it. It's always meant for the church, those who love Him and gather and, and, and fellowship together. Uh, that's the part we have in. But, the, but there's, they've got their timing all messed up because they don't see the rapture. They miss it. Uh, they don't have it there. Um, they said that the beast is going to have to be revealed first and then he'll come. So... Is it glorious? Are we to look for the glorious appearing? Or are we to be looking for the Antichrist? Uh, is it at any moment that he could come, imminent return? Or is it going to have to come with those signs as we saw in Matthew 24, verse 30? Um, I'm not going to have time to answer all this fully, but we can. <laughs> we can. I'll give you this quickly. Um, first, all the general signs of the times have been fulfilled. All the general signs. And, and here's the key thing. And are being fulfilled. Uh, they were, they were fulfilled back then, and they were being fulfilled now. See, uh, there's apostasy back then, there's apostasy now. There was unbelief back then, there's unbelief now. There was self-love back then, there's self-love now. There was sin back then, there's sin now. There was war then, there's war now. There were rumors of war back then, there's rumors of war now. There's earthquakes then, there's earthquakes now. There were natural disasters then, there's natural disasters now. As a matter of fact, I think they're probably increasing a bit. But, but see, we're in the last times. You know, they're occurring today. First um, John. I don't want to leave you without hope. Uh, you know, I could tell you and I could stand up here and say, yes, we're in the last days. Yes, this is the last time. And you're just say, crazy, Brian. You might say that anyway. <laughs> but First John uh, chapter 2 and verse 18. We'll listen to crazy John. How's that? First John chapter 2 and verse 18 says, Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists. Whereby we know that it is the last time. So when John was still alive, he said, we're in the last day. We're in the last time. And we can tell because there are these little antichrists. Now this presupposes that there will be an antichrist. But as bad as all these little antichrists are, there will be a worse one in the future. And that is the antichrist. Matter of fact, Jesus warns us of that in Matthew 24. The abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet. Pointing us back to the prophecy in Daniel where we all studied and where the girls I think are right now. Is with the... Two phone calls. I was talking to the Jews. I'm talking to the church. I'll be talking to the Jews again. I think that's a good analogy. So I used the chess clock before, but I think phone makes more sense. That's, that's, that's a good one. I look at Hebrews chapter 1 real quick. To look. So John says emphatically, they're in the last times. We're in the last times. The church age, another term for the church age, is the last days. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath and when, these last days, Spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom He also made the worlds. Um, so the author of Hebrew also says, we're in the last times. The church age is the last days. We are in the last times. This is the last day. So the early church was right. Our great-grandparents were right. I'm right, most importantly. This is the last times. That's all that matters. No. <laughs> so, so the church age is the last day. Now, I'm going to mark my note right here. We'll go back to... What's all that about Thessalonians? And we'll tackle these verses that they have. Um, but a lot of it's context. Who's he talking to? What's going on? And then they're messing up the second coming of Jesus Christ and confusing that with the rapture. The rapture is a mystery. It was something that they didn't know. Paul reveals us the most details to us. And that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at that next week. Why does he address that? Why does he even bring it up? The Thessalonians were much like us. They were worried. Well, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? What's the timing of this, Paul? Paul tells them. And then the very verses that he's using to, to clarify it, to make sure that they cannot be confused, people are still confused by it today. And so, do you have something, girl? Oh, I 
sacrifice our hand goes. So it's, 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 Satan's good at twisting things. But if we look at it, and we look at it in the context, we'll see what it is. And so First uh, Thessalonians 4 we'll look at, First Thessalonians 5 we'll look at, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll start all the way back in the First Thessalonians when Paul was meeting with them. And he told them about all these things because they were concerned. Because they were concerned that they were going to miss the rapture. And they were concerned that their dead loved ones were going to miss the rapture. So Paul tells them, I'm going to tell you this. And he tells them, he says, comfort one another. Warn one another. And then something happens. Then he goes away. And it's not very long. I think they think it's a few months. He has to write the second Thessalonians. Because somebody else comes and says, you missed it. Rapture already happened. We're in the last days. I've got a letter here from Paul. And it, and it troubled them. And they're like, we're in the last days. We missed it. We missed the rapture. And Paul's like, I was just there. And I just told you. You're not going to miss the rapture. Rapture first. You don't have to worry about being in the last days. We're gone. And so we'll go through and we'll look and see how Second Thessalonians clears that up, that issue. Because it was the same thing. They had some liar who would come in with a forged letter from Paul trying to stir up trouble, trying to just probably under, under probably demon-possessed. It's probably a spirit of Antichrist right there trying to usurp any power away and making God's people fearful. We're not to be fearful. We're not to be fearful. We're children of light. We're not children of darkness. And we're not to look forward to the day of God's wrath. It's coming, but we'll be with Him coming down. We're not going to be on the earth receiving all this grief that's going on. Um, we get taken out of here. We'll be hidden. Because, see, we're the meek ones. We're the ones who've repented and trusted Christ. And we don't say that arrogantly. We don't say that boastfully. We say that because God has told us that. If we've repented and trusted Christ as our Savior, uh, we can, we'll be saved. And He'll keep us from the hour of tribulation that comes upon the whole world. And we'll be hidden in Him. That's a good place to be. Just like Noah was hidden in the ark. <laughs> so we're going to be hidden in Christ. And the ark was a type of Christ. Um.